Just so uh, everybody's familiar with sort of what we're trying to accomplish here, of course. Hey, Debo, way to go, man. Welcome. Hey, everyone, say hi to Debo. Yeah, he's been working his ass off this week. This is not work for me, this is too easy. Um, anyway, we're just gonna like kind of BS about the race a little bit, talk about what we think is gonna happen, who we're looking at. You know, these guys are a wealth of knowledge, so you know, we hope it's entertaining for you guys here and obviously the, the live audience as well. Um, but I guess jump right into it. We're, I'm, I'm Dylan Bowman. Brian Powell, Powell Andy Jones-Wilkins, good to see everybody. Between the uh, the three of us, I think we have 17 finishes. Andy takes up 10 of them, but uh, Brian and I together have uh, have seven. I have three, you have four, I think. Something like that. Yep. Uh, Theirs are better than mine. <laughs> you're top 10 seven years in a row. Let me tell you about 2005. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that year. <laughs> All right, rein it in, guys. We're already, already off track. So I kind of want to just go through a couple subjects to try and give us a little bit of structure. The first being the conditions of this year's event. Andy, of course, you've been at this race every year for I don't know how many years, at least a dozen or more. And can you tell us like what to expect on Saturday and how it might compare to a previous running of the race? I think I think the, the, if the forecast holds true, it'll be the third or fourth hottest race in the in the history of the race mm. uh, that's just based on the Auburn temperatures and all of that Thanks. I think it'll be fun to see how that plays out when it all said and done but it's gonna be a hot year yeah. so in terms of historical comparisons though is there is there another year you think yeah it's gonna be like 95 and 06 yeah. You think it's going to be that hot? Yeah. But it's, it's not, not pre-baking. It's not going to have the preheating, so it's going to maybe, you know, it's going to maybe be a little bit softer than that. But, you know, the, the current race administration is not going to, like, wussy course it and skip Michigan Bluff or skip Robbins Flat or something like that. So it's going to be a hot year, but it's going to be a pretty badass year, and it's going to reward somebody who's patient, who's smart, who maybe even has been here before. Anything else about the conditions? Obviously no snow this year. Yeah, which I, I actually think in some snow years it can actually be a little faster through the high country. It's pretty, the most sort of technical sections of the course are early. It's true. And when they're covered by snow and it's not just this little snaking path, you can go point to point fast. Right. So it might slow down the high country a little bit yeah. for some people who are proficient at that. And the pre-baking, I mean the preheating people might not know about is sometimes the heat waves build for a couple, like a week or five days and the canyons just bake and heat up day after day and so it stays a lot hotter at night those rocks just glow practically right the, the, the runners are not going to have like the heat coming up from below it's not going to be 85 degrees at midnight right yeah yeah which is nice yeah and i i sort of see it kind of similar to 2013 which was super hot year the second year that tim olson won the race he ran about 15 15 i think to to win and i think uh just looking at the at the forecast that was a year too where it was extremely hot but it wasn't hot in the few days leading up to the race but i think the the big variable that i've experienced in the race is how early it gets hot do you guys know offhand like what they're expecting early in the morning because oftentimes the hardest years are the ones where it starts warm 
and gets hot early rather than the, the races that have the high well, I think it's, it's it's definitely tracking like 2013 and that would be a really hot day early and you had a kind of got to have your shit together by like Duncan and if you don't have maybe a second bottle going from Duncan to Robinson you're going to get behind and and if you get behind you're never going to get ahead so here's a little so I, I here's a little tip I mean people often will try to go as light as they can in carrying water but maybe you're always carrying a sports drink in one bottle carry water in that second bottle because if you're not drinking all of it Use that to cool yourself yeah. in the high country. Yeah. You're, you're not yeah. a lot of place to dip or get snow or anything like that for yeah. most of the race. What I've said to a lot of people, including the, the guy who I'm going to be pacing, is for, especially for the people who are wearing a vest, you know, if you have the two two bottles in your vest, carry a third empty one mm -hmm. at least just so you can, you know, it, fill that up with water, like you said, to keep yourself cool or to obviously supplement mm -hmm. hydration. And you can catch up a little bit if you need to. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, just to like give us some, some structure, we're going to talk a bit about the fields now starting with the women's race and so I want to kind of prompt you guys but in, in a way that's sort of specific so that we don't go open-ended for hours so <laughs> I can't imagine why that would happen start with Andy hey, Andy who are uh, who are maybe like the two or three women that you think have a legitimate shot to win the race I, you know, I think Courtney DeWalter is the woman who's going to win the race. Okay. If she runs her race, if she's smart, and she is smart, if she pays attention to what she needs to pay attention to, she's going to win. The challenge for her is there's a chase pack that has experience, that has smarts, that has like just that it factor. Mm -hmm. And if this year turns out to be one of those races that has an it factor, like 26 had, like 1998 had, like 1985 had, then she's gonna lose. Yeah. But if she's ready to respond to that, she's gonna win. So you think she's the most talented woman in the field, and as long as she does the right thing, she's gonna pull it off? Who no, do you, who do you think no, I don't. I don't think she's the most talented woman. I think you measure. That's a difference. Yeah. I, I think that that was cool for you to put words in my mouth. Like that. <laughs> you know, for a young little kid yeah, like yeah, you yeah, to yeah. say, "Oh, so you're saying she's talented, so she's gonna win." I think she's a smart, hard, fast runner who knows how to run 100 mile races but after 70 miles it's about a whole lot more than just that totally you know and i don't know if she has that mm -hmm. only she's gonna know the answer to that and only we are gonna get the answer to that question on saturday night sunday morning yeah. and i would say we saw a little bit of that back uh, last fall when she ran the moab 240. i think we did i mean not that that i don't think it's quite as an impressive performance as some people may lay it out because she won overall and all that but it's the fact that she was still running relatively strong after all those miles after all that terrain and if, right. if she can continue to do that out on a really hot 
tough day at Western State. She can run that last 30, 40 miles very quickly. And if she can't, there are some really, really talented. So maybe talented. give us one or two more women that you, you're looking well, at. Well, I, I would be really worried yeah. about Casey Lichtai, Stephanie Violet, and Eliza Lafayette. Yeah. And then you know, maybe Lucy uh, Bartholomew and uh, Elsa McDonald. I mean, I would be really worried if I was front running in this field about those five. And it's going to be so dynamic and so fun and so interesting to yeah. see. I mean, if they, if if Courtney screws it up, they're going to be ready to unscrew it up for her. Yeah. What about you, Brian? I mean. AJW really did a good job of hitting on those very front runners, and I think sort of the X factors here. I mean, we have the, the Courtney's and the Casey and the Stephanie, and having people like Camelia Mayfield mm -hmm. and Caitlin Gerben, who are in a great race, yeah. Amanda Basham, mm -hmm. uh, Elsa uh, McDonald, like those folks can surprise. Right. And on a, the hot days like this really shake things up, right. and you can have somebody who you, you don't think can quite maybe necessarily win the race on paper is maybe the favorite and totally nails it. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if you would have called Pam Smith before she won. Or I wouldn't have right. totally no, wouldn't have. And no. she's One of those can be, yeah. I mean, she's here. She's but she's And she's still yeah. here, but, but, she, but she's got a cougar in her closet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. Or you know her. <laughs> um, so I, I don't have much to add to that. I think you guys covered most of the, the important and interesting stuff. So maybe what's another thing in the women's field before we transition to the men's field? Another maybe non-elite storyline that you guys are interested in following. Are you going to talk about Diana Fitzpatrick? Oh, my God. <laughs> Diana Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Diana Fitzpatrick has finished the race four times, all under 24. She's 60 years old. She is, I mean, we love Gunhild Swanson. We, we, we all do. But Gunhild ran a 25-something. Diana's going to crush that. Yeah. Guaranteed. You can mark that down. <laughs> well, you, I mean, Diana is going to run. I mean, if she if she goes over 24, it's not going to be by much. But, man, she knows how to run the race. She's smart. She's sophisticated. She's been in these mountains before. <laughs> Gunhill did awesome stuff when yeah. she was here as a 60-year-old. As a Diana's going to crush it. Yeah. Right. Uh, I knew he was going to talk about Diana. Like that's that's the the other woman's story, and it's really going to be a good one. Yeah, I, I actually had that written down too. And Diana's a, a good personal friend of my wife and I. We actually had dinner with them last week, and she seems uh, she seems very ready. So that'll be an interesting thing for everybody else to follow as well. I mean, then I mean, just Megan Laws again. I mean, like, we talk about Diana, but like Megan Laws is now 57, correct? And like going to crush it again. Like she was the top pick for. Eight in our prediction contest, and that's a safe pick to be somewhere in that sixth to tenth, or maybe even better on a ridiculous. I mean, day. the amazing thing about Megan is she's going to be in the running for the forty and under. She could win the Masters. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, great. Well, I think uh, let's transition out of the men's race. I think it's a little bit more predictable in terms of the favorites, uh, a little bit more concrete mm -hmm. with Jim and Francois and Tim Frerichs in the field. So. Uh, maybe instead of talking about that, let's sort of hear who you guys are looking at to be kind of a dark horse, Seth Swanson type person who might show up and, and surprise and be on the podium. 
I, I mean, I kind of have to look in the other direction that there's just such a solid, a set of solid guys who show up in this particular year, a hot year. And mm -hmm. just so many of them from the, we always think of Jeff Browning or Ian Sharman, but right. there's like the, the Paul Giblins and the Jesse Haynes and all these guys who, like, I don't want to bet against them finishing in the top 10, yeah. especially in a rough year like this. Kyle Pitieri, and yeah. I don't know if I'm saying that yeah. right, but that guy is ready to go. He finished last year on a broken ankle, yeah. basically. Yeah. I mean, he's a badass, and he's smart. And, you know, I, I, I do want to talk about Jim for a second because it's it's like third strike and you're out. Yeah. And I've been around the race long enough to know that you can't do that for too much yeah. longer. Yeah. So he's going to have to run his race. He's going to have to have his shit together. He's going to have to really pay attention to like how he's feeling and what he's doing and 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 what he knows he can do and what he knows he can't do. Mm -hmm. um, because there's guys chasing him that have been chasing him for years. I've thought a lot about it, and, and he's an Air Force guy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's Army and Navy guys who just jump right in, and there's Marine guys who, like, see the big picture. The Air Force guys, they don't really know where they fit. And I think that's a lot about what Jim is doing here. He doesn't really know where he fits. Yeah. And Saturday is a time for him to say, here's where I fit. Mm -hmm. And if he if he crashes and burns and shits the bed again, yeah. then then we all know like that's where he fits. Uh. But if he goes and runs, you know, a, a 15-10 and wins the thing in a hot year, yeah. then we also know where he fits. And I think that's important for the sport. It's important for like all of us who aspire to be something better than ourselves to actually listen to that. Yeah. And and frankly, I think it's the same way for Courtney. It's the same way for a lot. Isa. It's the same way for Kyle. It's the same way for people who've been around the sport yeah. long enough. Yeah. You know, Ian and uh, and and even um, uh, uh, Jeff, yeah. like to really, really find themselves in the sport. Mm -hmm. Because if there's something that differentiates ultra running from like sprint running or Olympics or cycling, or it's that you can find yourself in the sport. And the sad part about Jim is he hasn't done that yet. And yeah. I really want him to do that. Yeah, we kind of tried to press him on that a little bit in, in our interview with him and see how he's going to approach it this year because I think having employed the strategy that he has of just fireworks from the gun and have it backfire twice, if he does this a third time, then it's sort of like, what are you doing? You know. So it will be interesting to see how he chooses to execute the race, P particularly with guys like Francois and Tim in, in the field who like to race aggressively as well and put pressure on the rest of the field early in the race. So I, I don't know if you have anything to add. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, just talking about those couple front runners like Jim, Francois, and Tim. If any of them win, they have to kind of do something that they've never done. Jim, Jim has to stick it. Tim's running his first hundred. Well, Francois is like this is. 
you know, he's crushing. He's the best mountain 100 miler, 100 mile runner in the world. But he hasn't nailed a race like this. So, like, if any of them do it, it's kind of a breakout establishment kind of race. Well, I think that's a really interesting point. And in that, yeah, Francois, this would be a, a like kind of a a different type of course that he's tip, you know typically won on and been super successful on. Obviously, one of the best of all time. Uh, Frerichs has won like some of the biggest races in the world, so he's got the experience having done that at Transvolcania and TNF. But he hasn't done the hundred miler. So, yeah, I think. A, a you know, I turn it around, Dylan, and say, I wish you were in this race. <laughs> <laughs> I'm know? glad I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but I'm glad I wish you were. Yeah. You know, because the way you've run in the last six years, the way you've been smart about your training, the way you've been sophisticated in your understanding of what the sport is and what it should be and what it can be, I hope that we're sitting at this table in two, three, five years and talking to you about this stuff. Because, I mean, God, this is Dylan Bowman, everybody. Let's hear it for him. I mean, the guy, the guy has... The guy has picked his spots. He's incredibly smart. If you were in the field this year, you would certainly be, I mean, because Brian wouldn't be in the field, so you'd be the smartest guy in the field. Thank you. Megan's not in the field, too, so you'd be, if she was in, you'd be the second smartest person in the field. But the truth is, Dylan, what you've, and I'm so glad you're here that, that I can do this, you, what you've done and, and, and made a difference in people's understanding of the sport is, yeah, here we are, and there's all these guys that we're talking about who are you know, 36 hours away from starting this race, but you really, Dylan, have sent a message to the rest of us that we can be better, we can be stronger, we can be smarter, and most of all, we can be smarter. And you're a smart guy, you're a sophisticated guy, and when, when the dust settles on all this stuff, I hope that you're back here running this race and running a 14-41-59. So that transitions me. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Andy, thank you, and I'll, I'll pay you for all that later. But, uh, and I appreciate it, especially coming from you. It means a lot. But, I mean, before we... I, I kind of want to talk more about, like, the, the other men in the field, aside from the Jams and Tams and Francois. I know we're already going way over time, as is predictable. But uh, for me... Oh, wait, there's who's got 37 minutes on the floor? There's a time limit on this? Thing? Um, I mean, for me, the two guys I'm looking at, I, and one person I, th I think is shocking that he's not more, he's not being discussed more, is Didrik Hermanson, who, oh, yeah. who finished second at this race two years ago. And uh, and he's back and, you know, clearly flying on the radar. And Giblin, but, whatever his first you know, name is, Paul Giblin. Yeah, but, but I mean, a previous don't, podium don't finisher who almost nobody's talking about. And then we spoke to Chris Brown yesterday, who I was super impressed with. Yeah. Good head on his shoulders, great, you know, sense of humor. And I see a lot like Seth Swanson, you know, from 2014, who got in via the lottery, didn't have to race a ton early in the season, coming in fresh and focused on this race specifically, and clearly talented, having done well in, in his only 100 miler and also a TNF 50 in a world class field. So those would be my two. Well, and Chris Brown did well on a hot day yeah. in San Diego, 17 yeah. ish. And he lives in Santa Barbara. Yeah. So I'm sure he's okay in the heat. 
So I got a question for AJW. This is a question I'm sure you thought of for yourself. The men's 50 to 59 record is in play this weekend. Or is it? Carl Meltzer. I, I have to think it is. I mean, I've thought, I've, I've noodled on that a lot. It's 1843. Latimer said it in, in 1989. Carl's put his eyes on it. Don't forget Dean Carnassus is here too. As a 55-year-old, that's a hard run. 1843, trust me, is hard on a pure course where you actually have to go to Robinson Flat and have to do it. I think Carl can do it, but it's going to take a perfect day. It's going to take a perfect day for Carl, and I'm not sure if he's ready for a perfect day. He, he'll probably tell us by Robinson Flat or Dusty if he is. But that's, I mean, if someone brings that down, yeah. it's going to be huge. Yeah, that's an incredible record. The other record that uh, I think is going to be interesting to watch and that I hadn't thought about until yesterday is Jeff Browning called out the, the Masters record, uh, oh, yeah. which Mike Morton holds and uh, set in, I think, 2013. 13. Yeah, 15.45. And Jeff's 46 years old, looking to go sub-16. Pretty Another incredible storyline there. If Jeff could do 15.46, I'd be impressed. Yeah. Especially in these conditions. I mean, like, yeah. we're talking about age group records, and the men's 70 and up is also in play. But are any of these really in play with it being a his story? Maybe not the top year. three, yeah. year, but it's going to be a dang hot it's year. It's going to be a hot year. It's going to be a hot so year, right? I mean, that's kind of kind of temper the expectations because there's years that you know I don't I think you're gonna have to break 16 to win but yeah. like it might not be a low 15 yeah, yeah. high 14 year. Um, I mean I, I think one or two guys will be under 15 and what I'd really love to see under is a 16. woman no he's under. Thinking, oh. Under 15, 15 or under 16? Under 15. You think one or two guys under 15? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, if they're going to win. You've a hot take, you well, know. No, that's right. <laughs> if they're going to win. That's right. Yeah. I, listen, I don't doubt your knowledge. Yeah. yeah. But I think, don't spoil it because we have, that's that's our finisher. I think oh, it's, I think it's better. Yeah. I think it's better for three women to go under 18. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'd really like to see. Um, before we move off that topic, I think one other interesting storyline that's, I think, worthy of mention is Ian Charman, who has finished in the top 10 eight years in a row. Andy's done it seven. Screw that guy. <laughs> I'm out of here. So, is he in the room somewhere? Yeah, Ian Charman, uh, you know, a true, true, you know, consistent champion of the sport who's been doing it as good as anybody at the distance for uh, a long time, at least in terms of consistency and stuff. I think that'll be interesting to see if he can go for number nine and then, of course, next year going for number 10. So I remember, at the risk of boring people, this dude passed me in 2009 and my pacer said, Oh, that's the guy who just got 24th at Comrades. And he like, thinks Western States is a fun little hobby. <laughs> and it was the same guy who didn't even show up for the awards. Oh. Right? Because he didn't know, like he didn't know that the awards were like a thing. <laughs> but that's Ian. And now he's going for number nine, he's gonna get number ten, and he's gonna crush us all. I mean Eric Scadden and I were talking about it, and Tweetmeyer and Ann and I have talked about it too. I mean, the guy has done Ian. Charmin has has done something in Western states that I think nobody really will understand.
understand until it's all said and done. But he's going to get 10 top 10s. I mean, Doug Latimer did it in a different era. Nikki Kimball did it on the women's side. Did Trayson do it? Oh, Trayson, yeah. Yeah. But, just give him his perspective. Yeah. <laughs> there is that Ann Trayson thing. Yeah. We all just put it out there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's amazing. And, and, and so he just has to make a little challenge for himself. And, and he'll be fine. No one's worried about being charming. Yeah. But he's almost the most automatic person you he can He is put in so automatic. Yeah. yeah. But you're not going to hear a word from him now about him being automatic. He no. He gets it done. And right. He gets it done. He no rolls drama. in. Yeah. His, his heel still touches ass. <laughs> Those majestic calves yeah. that he has. Yeah, whatever they are. Yeah. Um, all right, great. Well, unless you guys have anything to add to the men's thing, we can transition to who we think is going to win and in what time. I'm sure Powell has something to add. Who wants to start? Who wants to start? Uh, go for it. <laughs> You know, both, I, both men and women. Maybe start with the I, I think it's time for Jim to win. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, I've seen him both years. I've gotten to know him a little bit. I, I still question a little bit of what overtakes him mm -hmm. when he gets to that place between Robinson Flat and Dusty when you're just like feeling so good. But I honestly think he knows he has to have his shit together this year or he's done. I think he does too. And and if he and, and if he doesn't, frankly, Dylan and Brian, I'll be the first to tell him, yeah. dude, you screwed this up and you know you're screwed for the rest of your life. <laughs> you know? Alright, so what but, time does Jim run? <laughs> I don't care about his yeah. time. Well, I want I'm, I want you to predict a time. You said at least two men under fifteen. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, well Jim I mean he's I, I think he's gonna be crawling after fourteen forty two. I mean for those I don't know if anyone was here in four, in, in twenty twelve, but it was like raining. Yeah. It was practically snowing. You might have run it. That I did. Year. I did. Yeah. I mean, it was a. It was like it was puffy cold. jacket or Robinson. I mean, it was weather. puffy jacket. <laughs> they had they had like four hundred pounds of yeah. ice that just melted. And uh, and and but for perspective, that was the year Ellie Greenwood broke the unbreakable. They broke the unbreakable by, record by Ann Tracy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The only woman to ever go under seventeen. Yeah. So, I mean, it, we're not going to have one of those years. Yeah. But I mean, if if Jim can can creep around fourteen fifty, fourteen fifty five, you know, if he right. gets to fourteen fifty, we got him on record, Jim, fourteen fifty. Your 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 women's pick, Courtney. In what time? <laughs> Courtney's fast as shit. I don't. I don't think Courtney. I don't think Courtney knows how fast she is. But I don't think she's ever had like Casey, Stephanie, and uh, Eliza and Lucy chasing her. Yeah. So she's gonna have to go under 18. Yeah. You know, she's like like only three. Only two women have gone under 18. You know, Ellie and Anne and Casey. So three. I think she's gonna have to be the fourth to go under 18. But it, it's going to be like 1750. Okay. I'm going to pick the same two people. I went back and forth on the men's win. Uh, mostly, does Jim blow up or not? Mm -hmm. um, I think Tim Ferriss was my pick before finally deciding on Jim. Uh, I'm going to say he just nails it. It's going to be a hot year, 1438. Woo! 
you get, he's got the record. Why okay. Not? Yeah. Why not? I uh, guess fade, I, fading, I, fading to it. Fading. I guess I better get to the river in time. <laughs> All right. So what about fading? Courtney? But I mean, like, it's going to be a go out. Yeah. Uh, What's Courtney going to do? I, I, I'm hoping. I mean, it's her first go here. I yeah. mean, Jim is Jim is pushed to that line twice and failed. Maybe this third time, I think he just pushes toward it and gets it. Courtney has it. I hope she runs a a little more conservative race and runs 18-10. I don't know. Like, mm. I mean, that's there's probably too wide a desk, like a disparity between the two fields. But I mean, yeah. Listen, yeah, we're you. just I'm, guessing. Yeah, we're just totally. Guessing at this point. Well, I'm glad that I have a different answer than both you guys on on both. But so, what do you got? Yeah. So on the men's side, I can't look past Tim Frerichs. Not only do I think he's top five most handsome men in the sport, but you he mean has the first four are you? <laughs> I got Hal Kerner, obviously. Tim I don't even. He's zero. Yeah. Um, right, no, but ahead. I think I think Tim. Um, you know, he's got the experience of winning big races. You know, and he he I think races aggressively, but not recklessly, like you know Jim has a propensity to do. Plus. He, I think, is more fresh coming into the race because he was injured earlier in the spring. He said he got a really solid eight-week training block in, and he's getting fit at just the right time. And usually for me, that means that I'm fit and I have energy. And in this race, and particularly in 100-milers, I just think that's so important to have that, that uh, you know, desire to go to the well. There so you have Tim winning. I got yeah. Tim winning, but I, I've got him at 15-10. So I don't have anybody under 15. No one under 15. No one under 15. Because of the heat. Because of the heat. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Women's him. side? Women's side. I actually, I've got a good feeling about this one. And I picked Stephanie Violet to win her second Cougar. And for a few similar reasons, I think... Well, first of all, she's a she's a past champion, so you know she's done it before. She knows what it takes. She's also been on the podium another time, and she's had recent disappointment. You know, she had disappointment last year, and that you can't discount the motivation that comes from that. And I think she's finally passed like her her injury that kept her out of the sport, her Achilles, which you know laid her up for a year. I think is finally in her rearview mirror, and I think she's hungry. She's she's got great guidance from Jason Coop and has been doing really good training. And uh, yeah, just the experience factor, I don't think you can discount. But again, I don't think it's going to be a super fast race. Stephanie has run, I think, 1801 in the past. Yeah. I've got to run an 1820 this year. So quick question. We, Jim, Jim, Tim, does that mean we all pick Frank Swall for second? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go that deep. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's, it's insane to pick against the guy. I mean, yeah, he's it, the greatest hundred miler potentially ever, certainly of our generation. You know, yeah. you, you know, you look past Killian a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, the only thing that makes you look past him is like the heat. Does, well, the heat, the terrain is not necessarily in his wheelhouse, and does he does he have like? the the energy again you know he he won utmb in an insane battle and i don't think you can discount what that takes out of you and then six weeks later he did the john muir trail and broke the record by 12 hours in like a, just an insane three-day 
excursion. But he also picks his battles. He, he picks his battles. Yeah, he's so done his ends. That's. I mean, I, I would not be shocked at all if Francois won and broke the record. But yeah, I mean, I, it's it's hard to pick against the Cowboys. And I think the other thing is that I think is interesting as it pertains to the Cowboys is Flagstaff. I think is just such a uniquely good place to train for this race. You have the altitude, you have the heat, you have the canyon where you can run downhill hard a lot. And you've got the community, you know, you've got people who can push you. And so I, I, I gotta think that a cowboy is gonna win the race, whether it's Jim or Tim, who knows. But I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, two or three of those guys, you know, or, you know, all four of them in the top 10. So what, what's the big surprise this year? What's the thing that we're not thinking about? What's this year's Gunhild? What's this year's uh, like person who melts down and then comes back to life? The kind of the fun What's thought the... I've had is a couple years ago we had uh, was it Annie Trent coming in with a uh, Gunhild Swanson? Mm -hmm. Was it Austin Tweetmeyer who's running oh, yeah. this year? Austin I kind of had like the, the, the just, I mean I hope he has a great race, but I also have this picture in my mind of him finishing with one of those yeah. seventy. Plus your old dude. Austin, Austin like, Tweetmeyer is just, in the race. Tim's offspring. Yeah, another one of those. Yeah, we, we actually tried to get them to come on the show just because I think that's such a, a great story. And, and just to wrap it up, Tim Tweetmeyer, who's on the board, has finished the race 25 times, all under 24 hours. An absolute legend for those of us who follow, follow the sport. Uh, but his son is running the race this year, and he is going to be pacing his son. And for the first time, I think he is not going to be, uh, he had some responsibility that he used to do at the race every year that he can't do this year because he's going to be pacing his son to his, his first ever Western State. His so. responsibility yeah. is running out and chasing in the horses yeah. at the very end yeah. of the race and he just couldn't commit himself to yeah. that. Well, I think that's a great place for us to wrap it up. I mean, we, we could go on forever, as you guys can tell, but we've been going for 30 minutes already. So we appreciate everybody's patience and uh, willingness to stick around. And, uh, you know, these guys are a wealth of knowledge. So if you see them around, ask them more questions. I think we should wrap it up by mentioning, obviously, the sponsors, uh, Drymax, Buff, and Jaybird Sports, who support I Run Far, the coffee bar who has generously lent us their space for two days asking nothing in return so please get coffees from them this week um, and I just have to thank you Dylan Bowman for pestering us for yeah. if not three four years to make this happen uh, we did it finally <laughs> thank you everyone have and a good I think it's important to note that we need to thank Brian and, and Megan, Megan. Yes. Yes. and Derek Lytle back there for I Run Far. I Run Far. I Run Far is the voice of the sport. There's no doubt it's the voice of the sport. You guys do so much for so little, and you make us feel oh so good about it. So to Brian and Megan and all that you guys do, let's hear it for I Run Far.